You're listening to If Only I Were Wiser podcast, where Raina Wilson brings together wisdom and raw life stories to provide encouragement and truth. So many times it's easy to become discouraged in your own pursuit of health because your story or circumstances look drastically different from your favorite influencer or even the expectations you had for yourself. If that is you, welcome. This space is for you to learn, breathe, and maybe just listen and see what wellness could look like for you. Hey friends, welcome back to the If Only I Were Wiser podcast. On today's episode, I have sweet friend and queen of a little less toxic, Shauna Holman. Shauna is a follower of Jesus, wife to Damien, mother of two littles, and a devoted credentialed teacher, now serving and educating her children at home, as well as an online community. In this episode, Shauna vulnerably shares her own story about what it has looked like for her to find healing and fight for healing after years of chronic health issues that almost cost her her life. We chat about all things, chemicals, toxins, and ways to make your life a little less toxic with the understanding of building a healthy spiritual, emotional, and mental foundation. I really think the Holy Spirit moved during this episode, so there are a few topics that you can listen with discretion, but it was a really tender and sweet conversation. This whole episode was honestly a gift for my own heart in the time of recording, so I hope it is for you as you're listening. Let's go ahead and dive in. Hello, Shauna. Welcome to the If Only Our Wiser podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming, but I'm like we were just talking about. I think that the Lord divinely appointed this conversation today in the midst of just like chaos in everybody's lives right now. You know, his timing is good. Maybe just to start off and reflect on like a foundation of the Lord's goodness as we kind of dive into this topic, what is one thing in the midst of um, chaos and crazy and a total lack of control, do you feel like the Lord is pruning in your heart right now? That surrender that we were talking about, because I mean, there's so much that's just out of my control and I've been a person who likes to control what I can. And there's just so much that is really, it's, it's not mine to manage (laughs) and to let go of it has, um, there's been definitely a pruning over the years and it's gotten a little bit easier and for a lot of things to, to surrender without being wrestled into it so much. (laughs) Yeah. Suplex into letting it go. (laughs) Um, so I would just love to get to know you a little bit more, introduce you to our audience. Um, can you just introduce yourself? Love to hear about your family. What does a day in the life kind of look like for you? Yeah, I, I don't, I never even really know what to say about that. I just feel like I'm a regular person, but I ended up sharing parts <laughs> of my life to a public platform. But yeah, I, uh, I don't know where you want me to start, but I mean, I'm a wife. I am a mom to two little ones and we homeschool and um, I was a public school teacher with a teaching credential and did that for years and put, and I put myself through schooling by working in schools for a long time with um, kids with special needs and then substitute teaching. And um, so I have a lot of background in public education and I stopped doing that when my first child was about to be born. And we always like had this idea that, you know, once, once with the kids are all in public school, then I will go back to the classroom. Mm -hmm. And it turns out I'm in a different classroom now online, I guess. And um, we're doing 
school here. We have a classroom here. <laughs> I have a classroom hand. And that's kind of what we do now. And I have a whole health journey behind all of that that kind of led me to that point. And yeah. All right. Well, if you would like to, I want to just dive headfirst into that. If you could just start with kind of where did your health journey start? What did it look like in your own story to start in this process? Yeah, I I always say I grew up very conventionally. You know, I had um, two very young parents who weren't really like looking to start a family and it was the 80s and everything was convenience foods and um, both parents worked and I spent a lot of time with uh, all my grandparents and um, it was just a lot of, you know, canned this and frozen that and packaged this because that's the way it was for most people. So I was just a very typical child of that time. Um, we had some very significant trauma in our home too. And I think that played a big piece in the puzzle that is my health. And, um, but I, I felt very healthy for all of my life until I didn't. And I, I, looking back, I noticed signs earlier than I really realized that those were not normal things to be experiencing as like a teenager, like getting heart palpitations or joint pain that would be almost crippling sometimes. Like I can't go to the movies because my shoulder hurts. It doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until I was in college and I was, I got what I thought was a sinus infection or something. And I went to the clinic there and, you know, got my little antibiotics and it went away mm -hmm. and then it came back and I went back and got my little antibiotics and then it went away mm -hmm. and it came back and, um, kind of try and make a long story short there, but it became a cycle of pain and, um, significantly impacted my ability to function well. It was either migraines or sinus infections or both, or we don't know, but I went through the whole myriad of all the ENTs, like ear, nose, throat specialists, mm. neurologists, allergists. Um, I had surgery to correct my septum. I was just doing all the things trying to make this pain go away. And the only answers were ever, you know, take these meds the end, you know, yeah. the allergist said, Oh, you know, you're having, I had no allergies except to dust, dust mites. So I did all the dust protection and was more mindful about dust and nothing really made any difference. And my health kept declining. The pain got more frequent, uh, more intense. And there were, there was a, a season, this lasted like five years and over the last, the five years, it just got worse. And the last year of it, I was in pain all day, every day. And nothing was really mm. helping. And I would carry around my little pack. I had a really pretty little pill case. And I would take around my Excedrin, Sudafed, and Benadryl because that combo all yeah. together was the only thing that seemed to help. And um, even that didn't do stuff sometimes. And just taking antibiotics over and over and over. But I was trying not to because I knew that probably wasn't a good idea. Didn't really understand why. But anyway, it was um, it turned into a disaster. And I ended up on IV antibiotics for uh, sepsis and MRSA over a hangnail and I didn't want to wow. even be on, I was on antibiotics when this happened. So I had just, you know, people talk about super bugs. I, I had a super bug and I could have lost my life very easily. Mm -hmm. I had, you know, tachycardia by the time I got to the ER and I had to be on IV antibiotics for a week and then a month of oral antibiotics. And there were still zero answers for me. The, the only recommendations were, you know, um, turn up my heater, because I'm getting cold because I'm cold and there's nothing else we can do. It's antibiotics and steroids. Like that's the answer, but it okay. wasn't an answer. So then anyway, I just decided 
to try other things. <laughs> yeah. When I did, and um, within days, maybe weeks, less than weeks, more than a few days, I was pain-free for the first time in over a year just by changing a few pretty basic things. It was pretty radical because it was something mm -hmm. I wasn't used to, but I changed, I changed a few things and I was out of pain for the first time. And besides that, I had brain fog lifted, my skin cleared up. I had less joint pain. I had great energy. My mood was better. I felt like, you know, like, um, I became a Christian mm -hmm. as an adult that like born again-ness of like, what was I doing with my life before? Like, it's like yeah. the skies opened up. It's not to that level. It's not like I <laughs> was made new that way, but it was like a new beginning for me. It was new wow. life. And um, I've just continued to make small changes along the way ever since because I see what a difference it can make. And when I get exposed to things or I get careless, I can feel the impact pretty quickly and significantly. And it's a good reminder that God's given me with symptoms that I mm. should be making better choices for my health. Yeah. What were some of the first things that you shifted? Yeah, I did an elimination diet. So it was eliminating the, like uh, the author of this book, this nutritionist, she calls them hi-fi foods, but they are highly likely to be inflammatory foods for people. And some of them can be very healthy and nourishing yeah. unless you're not responding to them well. But there are things that I was eating every day and I didn't feel a reaction when I was eating them. It was taking them out and allowing my body to recalibrate and rebalance and then reintroducing them that I was able to notice the impact that they were having, which has been a really cool learning experience because it applies to so many other things in life. I took out like gluten, soy, dairy, corn, eggs, artificial sweeteners, and peanuts, and then reintroduced some of them to see how I did. And I reacted really strongly to lots of things. Yeah. Was this prior to motherhood or afterwards? Prior to, so this was in okay. 2013, and then we had our first child in 2015. Okay, so what was it like walking through this like radical life change, and then motherhood and all that comes with that? Yeah, I'm really grateful that it happened in that order. I know okay. it's hard for some people having to kind of like undo and relearn things with alongside their children, you know, and like take away some of their favorite things or, you know, it might feel sure, that way. Yeah. I didn't have that experience. I was, I'm really grateful. I got my body in a lot better balance before trying to conceive and carrying and then even just, you know, like raising these kids. Mm -hmm. So I think that experience for me has been really a blessing. There's still always things that I'm like, oh man, I wish I knew that then. And I'm right. still learning things now. I'm sure in five years from now, I'll go like, oh, I could have really been doing that better. But um, I, I'm, I'm really grateful that I had at least some foundation of this knowledge before they came along. Right, for sure. So how would you say this experience played in your played a role into you creating a little less toxic? Yeah, so like I said, it was just kind of such a mind-blowing experience. It was radical, the transformation that happened in my my spiritual, emotional, mental health, my physical health, that I could not help but share about it. I knew so many other people in my life, you know, I'm reading all these things now about inflammation and uh, I have so many other, you know, there's, you've got your community and I know, oh, you have eczema, you have allergies, your asthma, this, every, I know all these 
right. people are dealing with these things that have been like mystery ailments that they've just considered to be a part of their life forever, or they're new things that come up. And so I'm telling everyone like, oh, maybe check this out, or this really helped me. And that's just what I did for years. And then, you know, there's social media. So I'm sharing little things on Facebook, or then I finally had like a little Instagram uh, just my personal page, but I was sharing little things I was doing, like making my lemon infused vinegar to make a all purpose cleaner and stuff and just little memes and things just because it was something that I am really passionate about. And a lot of my friends and family wanted to know more about that. And a few of them were very, very encouraging to do something mm. more public. You make a blog, you have to yeah. do something, people need this information. And I really thought that's not true or not that it wasn't true. I knew that more people needed the information. I just didn't think that there would be a hunger for it or that maybe my voice wasn't necessary to add to the mix. There's already so many things like they don't need me. But um, after sharing a lot of things on my personal Instagram page and feeling like I'm probably annoying people that don't want to hear about this so often and I want to be able to share a little more freely and maybe if this might help some one of these people's friends I'll just make a public page. Yeah. And so I made a public right. page and that was at the very end of 2018. And within like a year, it was at like 10,000 and it just has been growing ever since, which reminds me that a people are hungry for this and B my voice matters too. <laughs> so yeah, I'm grateful for the nudging and I hope that I can be helpful and, you know, uh, just a good steward of this space along the way. So that's what I'm trying to do. Oh, for sure. I um, have probably mentioned it a few times, but I had an interview with Blake Guichet. And one of the things that she said on imposter syndrome, I cannot shake because now I'm like fully obsessed with her. I love Blake. But she was just saying like, if the Lord has called you into sharing about something, there's no space for imposter syndrome within God's plan. Like if God has prepared you, and it's put something on your heart, like you can't be an imposter if he's planned what you're about to walk into. You are the one. <laughs> yes. You are the one he called. Yeah. So that's been an encouragement for my own heart um, in the small beginnings of this process. So she's just awesome. But <laughs> I share. She really is. I love her so much. Yeah. I share that because that has just been so profound. So what were some of the first things outside of your nutrition shift did you start doing in your home mm -hmm. and kind of really snowballed this whole experience for you outside of just looking like nutrition and wellness isn't, or rather wellness isn't just what you eat, <laughs> you know, it's the things you put on your skin. It's the clothing. It's the right, yeah, candles in your home. It's the way that you speak to yourself, you know, like there's this whole holistic view of wellness so what were some of the first things maybe not just nutrition wise that you started to shift over yeah I think that I didn't know I was making shifts with like emotional health but I had been through a lot of counseling and therapy and things like that I think that there's an underlying foundation of those things knowing that I needed to have balanced approach to life you know <laughs> yeah I, I I come from like a long line of addiction and dysfunction and I am aware of those things and I never want to lean into anything where I can become 
obsessive about it. And mm -hmm. I think so I already had that going, didn't know that that would be related at all to any of this. And even just right now, it's kind of clicking to me. And I don't remember what came first, the chicken or the egg, but I think that I had already started kind of making some DIY cleaners around the house, not for like a big health reason, except for that my husband is a radiation therapist. And so he treats cancer all day, every day. And cancer is like a second language to us. And I think yeah. that I had started to get some wheels turning about like, why is cancer just, it seems to be exploding more and more. Um, didn't mm -hmm. know if there was a big connection for me between other things, but it, I think it was around the same time and it might've happened before I started reading labels, but I was going to just make my own cleaners. And we were also, you know, brand new married, living on pretty much one income in a really yeah. expensive city and state. And so I just started making my own cleaners. And then when I started reading all the ingredients on my food, because I had to be so careful, you know, I really was right. doing 100% to do an elimination diet so I could get the results or see if there were any results. And so now I'm reading labels and I'm kind of making my own stuff. And then if I'm going to buy other stuff and not make it, I'm looking at the labels there. And I'm going, what in the world have I been spraying all over our home? Or <laughs> where are we breathing? You know, I was the person that really loved, I would say, I would declare, I love chemicals. I really did. I thought they were <laughs> yeah. invention and I didn't see a problem with it. I also thought I felt great after eating McDonald's before I knew that I actually didn't, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it was all around the same time, but it kind of just built upon each other uh, on all of the things they kind of just grew together. Where would you say, or at least starting off in this conversation as an encouragement to uh, um, parents to starting this process with littles? Because I think walking into this conversation, yeah. it can be overwhelming period. Like when I first started out with my husband and I, we we're pretty much in the same boat we're in a cockroach infested apartment right off base in Georgia. And it was very much like, okay, I had a friend that had walked through a breast cancer scare with her family. So she was the first one that kind of said, Hey, there's aluminum in your deodorant. Maybe you should switch your deodorant. So that was like the first thing that we did. Um, so maybe we can circle back to that. But now as a mom, I think there's like this whole other level of, mindfulness in preparing yes. our home to be a healthy and safe environment. Yeah. And I think that that is such a can of worms too. I don't know. I feel like I see it a lot because I share so publicly, but I feel like sometimes doesn't matter what I share, but women can become very defensive over whatever it is. And I think it's partly to do with this um, unearned, judgment that we place on ourselves and condemnation that we carry around. We do a lot of comparison and sometimes we'll see other people doing things. And then that can add to the overwhelm too, where I'm not doing enough or whatever it might be. So I think, I think a big thing is to really just stop comparing or try to compare less. And if we're going to be looking at other places to gain information or inspiration, I think we need to really have a better lens for that, that we're not looking and thinking and mm. using it as a way to condemn ourselves or to like point judgment at other people so that we feel better yeah. about what we're doing. It happens a lot. Um, I am not innocent of that either. It, it So I, I don't know. I think the overwhelm can happen a lot when we are comparing. And I think that a way we can um, kind of manage that better or take 
better um, balance in that approach is to, yeah, like I said, stop comparing, but also just look at what we have and do, you know, I always say this, I don't know if anyone listening has probably heard me say this a million times, but do what you can with what you're able and as it makes sense for you is what I say all the time. And I think it applies to all things. And as a parent, I know that's really hard. We always feel like there's something we should be doing better. or Maybe we should be doing more or gosh, I shouldn't have done that. Or I really dropped the ball there, but we can't beat ourselves up. That's pretty toxic. Yeah. And so I think just taking the next best step approach is really helpful and it's really manageable and it's mm-hmm. more sustainable that way, just like with all things. And so I think it depends too, you know, like, what are we doing? Are we just, do I have like, you know, a set, it depends. Do I have a seven year old and a 10 year old? Do I have like teenagers and I'm just learning this stuff now? They're going to flip out when I take all their stuff away from them. No one wants you to do that. That's not going to work. And you're going to frustrate yourself and them, and then you're going to give up. So it's always just taking appropriate steps and moving forward. I was just talking to somebody else about, I do this all the time. You know, if you like get up right now and you, put one foot out in front of the other, as far as you can reach it, you're going to get a little shaky and lose your balance. And then if you try and stretch it out even further, you're going to fall. So no one is expected to take steps bigger than we're able to carry. And sometimes we do that, even if it's just with our thoughts (laughs) and then before we even start. So maybe it'll be just, you know, it just depends, depends on your kids' ages. It depends on everybody's underlying health. Some people are going to need to take more drastic steps in the beginning than others. It depends on budget, accessibility, all of those things. But if you are just making one small change at a time, be confident that that is doing something. It's making a difference and you're doing something a little bit healthier than you were yesterday. And that makes a difference. It doesn't have to be all or none and it doesn't have to be, you know, perfect. It's, we're not going to arrive this side of heaven. We're not going to arrive at this yeah. perfectly balanced, health, non-toxic life. So just do what you can with what you're able. And as it makes sense for you, keep moving forward. Oh, definitely. My husband was actually the one one day, because I'm definitely the kind of person that goes black or white, you know, zero to 100 real quick. Yes. <laughs> so when we started this conversation together, you know, deodorant was the first to go. And then I was like, okay, what about our shampoos and our like body wash? And he was just like, Raina, we spent all of our budget this week you know, replenishing our stuff or like outfitting our apartment to live together for the first time. Let's just take it one step at a time. So instead of phasing out all of our products at once, it was we took it as the bathroom. And then for like three to six months, we like focused on all things in the bathroom and went from deodorant to toothpaste to body wash to, you know, now makeup and like all the other fun things. But are there any other encouragements or tips that you would give in terms of, okay, you know, I'm going to put rubber to the road and really just start how would you respond to somebody that says where to start? I think food is, might be a challenging place to start, but it is a place where we're feeding ourselves, what, three, five, seven times a day. It's an opportunity every time you put something in your mouth to drink or eat, you can either be nourishing or depleting. So I think that's a great Mm -hmm. place to start. I don't think that anyone needs to necessarily throw out their entire pantry or empty the refrigerator, but that's something where you can start today 
or tomorrow. I mean, you're probably going to be grocery shopping this week and you can see, oh, we're running right. low on this dressing. Maybe you'll make your own this time. Maybe you buy one with better ingredients or whatever it might be. You just start replacing those things one at a time. And the one at a time thing was really important for me in the beginning too, because, you know, I, I like I said, I had been reading all these ingredients. It was very overwhelming. But if I could find the one ketchup I knew I could trust, that's my ketchup for now. Mm. And now I know I can buy this one again. Or if I have the capacity to find one that's even better, then next time I'll either be getting that same one and knowing I'm doing the best that I can. Or now, okay, I've already done these other things and I'm looking at ketchup again. Is it a one that's better than that this time? And then if I'm able to mm. fit it in my budget and it has a little bit better ingredients, then I'll know I made an improvement. <laughs> that's yeah. just been my approach all along. And so anyway, I think that food is a great place to start because all of us eat and there are lots of ways we can make healthier choices there. And then beyond that, other things I would look at are things that we have um, that we're in contact with all day, every day, whether we're realizing it or not. So in our homes, I think it's like 60% of homes are um, rated by the EPA to be hazardous to our health. That's the majority of homes in the United States mm. for a number of reasons, but our indoor air quality is it, it's impacted by the things that we have in our home that would include, you know, dust, furniture, and the products that we have, whether they're closed or in use, it doesn't matter. They're still off gassing into the air. So whatever products you're using more frequently, you know, those are going to run out more more um, frequently too. So you can replace those as needed. Or if there's some things that are like kind of toxic, you know, they are, and you not, you're not ready to give them up yet. Maybe you can keep them in a sealed container and move them outside mm -hmm. of the general living space, but things, things like that, that you're noticing can be contributing to your indoor air quality. And then the bigger expenses can come later and, and things that aren't replaced as often, maybe let it go because it expired and you don't actually use it. Yeah. Or you know, <laughs> replace it when you're ready. But things like water filter, I don't think we, we didn't get one for five or so years into this journey. We just couldn't afford it. So we were using mm -hmm. the lesser expensive ones from Target or whatever, just screw onto the top. And that's better than nothing. Oh, I love that. And I'm so thankful that you mentioned like the financial aspect to this situation, because I think in the overwhelm, in the pressure, in the comparison, so many people are so quick to think I need to empty out my whole pantry. I have to go through all of my cosmetics when like financial stewardship is stewardship. Yes. <laughs> and that's a huge component of your health journey is how to be financially wise in making healthy choices for your family. Right. Right. What kind of pressure would I be putting on my brand new marriage? If I, we need, I'm gonna, I can't drink this water, you know, that would have been much more toxic to my life, <laughs> throwing yeah. a grenade into my marriage like that and into, into my own life. Then just, you know, this is the best I can do. And that's good. And that's honoring to my body. Mm. It's honoring to God. And it is good, not good enough. It's just good <laughs> and as yeah. I'm able to make a different choice or change something else, then I'll do that then. And that will be good too. How do you kind of walk this tension of, like you said, doing what we can for right now, 
But then, you know, the devil's good at his job. So you hear all the whispers, you hear the noise, especially on social media. There's a whole new, you know, stream of products coming out. This influencer is using this makeup compared to this one. So how do you personally protect yourself from the overwhelm and tension? Yeah, I think I have to return to truth more than anything. And when I am lined up with God's word, then the noise becomes more noise than it, than like infiltrating. Mm-hmm. But it is tough because, you know, I'm sharing publicly and no matter what it is, somebody always thinks it's too expensive or it's not good enough, or it's, I heard this crazy mm-hmm. thing about it. Can you, you know, there's always something and the, the more popular a product is, the more that seems to happen. Um, there, it, there's always something. So it is difficult for me to kind of manage that in my own mind and heart. I have to take breaks from social media. I have to take breaks from the input or kind of limit it or manage it in a different way in different seasons, just depending. And there are some things Mm -hmm. that I find to be just overwhelming topics for me. They feel really muddled or confusing, or there's a lot of contradictory information, or it's just ubiquitous and you can't avoid it. Things like EMFs. That's not something I'm going to let freak me out. I can't, we cannot avoid it. Mm -hmm. I would have to go, you know, live in a cave somewhere and that's not going to happen. So it's so, and mold it's EMFs mold. There's a couple other things that I'm like, I cannot let this rule my life, but I do want to be mindful of it and take appropriate Right. But, you know, not be overcome by it because that can be as toxic or more toxic than the mold I'm literally living in right now. (laughs) Yeah, which is so funny because I had that conversation yesterday. So um, for our listeners, when this comes out, our house is currently moldy and we're processing through all of that. This is not the first time that we're living in mold. So we're just navigating that process as it comes. But I was talking with my husband because we're at the point of We're not in a financial situation to move out of our house because of where he is in the army and just where we live and on base housing. But we might be in a position to add products to our home that could mitigate our risk. And so as we were talking about that, my husband was just really good. He's the calm cucumber to our relationship, (laughs) just for reference. But he was like, Raina, I literally work in an office that has a whole room that is closed off because it says do not walk in here because of radiation exposure. Like we live on a military base, like Mm. EMFs is not a topic that we will broach as a family because my husband goes to work. And even if, you know, like there are flame retardants in his uniforms, (laughs) Yes, like they're made like that. So even as much as we do everything to be holistic and clean and all the non-toxic things, my husband literally goes to work every day in a poisonous uniform in a hazardous environment. Yes. Yes. So we can only do so much. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why all the other small things matter more. You know, I'm not like making an idol out of the ingredients in my food, but I fully know and I'm aware that making those choices, making those changes where I can help me to be able to be more resilient to the things I cannot control. And I just, you know, I, I, 
our whole thought process approach to all these things really, really matters. And trying to not become overwhelmed is very important. And that will look different for everyone. You know, some people need to be able to remediate the mold immediately because of their health and the impact that it has on them. Everyone responds differently to things. And some people are just not going to be able to, even if that would be a really big change for their health. Right. Yeah. I I mean, I really should be tackling more of the water damage in our home. We just can't do it. <laughs> we can't do it for, you know, all the reasons, just mm-hmm. capacity. And so I'm not going to bury my head in the sand about it or be in denial right. about it, but I also cannot let it consume me. Oh, for sure. And I think it was funny because I was having this conversation with our friend, mold con- holistic mold consultant, but an aspect of my story you talk to PJ? Yes. I love her. She's our person. So she's, yes, she's handling all of this chaos right now. Yeah. So I was actually talking um, with her, but an aspect of my story is that when I was in high school, our house was struck by lightning and burned down. So we were literally homeless. What? Yeah. When I was a junior in high school. That's how I met Jesus. But <laughs> wow. I think even back now to, huh, I wonder if the clothes that we took out of our home, you know, that day, because I have two younger siblings, so they're a lot younger at that point, you know, in the emotional, yeah, you know, processing of that, we grabbed whatever was dry and mm-hmm. left. Like I literally left my home that morning without shoes on and had to wear my neighbor's sandals because we had nothing. Yeah. So even I know that I could beat myself up from a major traumatic, you know, or environmental incident 10 years ago. And who knows what that's played a role in my gut microbiome, my skin, the way that I'm now processing mold in my home. Um, But it's just like fascinating because it comes to this place and we were talking about it of just surrender. And ultimately my friend reminded me in the panic yesterday that what if you are doing, like you said, all of the small things over the past two years to nourish yourself, your husband and your son, because the Lord knew that this was coming. Mm -hmm. So how do you, I think, relinquish the control or in the midst of panic, what does it look like for you to return to the Lord when you have none? Right. Yeah. Yeah. How do we, how do we hold that kind of with open hands? And I want to, I want to steward that well as well, because it's not, I mean, sometimes it can flip into control, right? Fear. Sure. And I still want to be responsible for my choices and my behavior and the impact that those things have on my vessel and my relationships and the vessels that I'm responsible for. And yeah, where is that line? There is a tension there. And I think that's something that everyone probably has to work out for themselves where their line is and boundaries are going to shift over time too, mm-hmm. as we know different things or in different seasons and just the different foundations of where we're at with our mental and physical and emotional health. And I don't mm-hmm. think that there's a, you know, one line in the sand for all of us. We've all got to find out where that place is and be flexible and um, open to shifting it as needed. Absolutely. You mentioned earlier just processing through traumatic experiences that you had growing up and just the role that emotional health kind of played in this. 
how um how important to you was it to create a healthy emotional foundation knowing that you've come from really broken parts of your story I have known for a long time that it's pretty critical to deal with what we've been through. I like to say we need to feel so we can deal so we can heal. And I think I I watched unprocessed emotions and denial and undealt with and poor coping skills literally destroy people that I love. My dad committed suicide when I was 12 and um, I have seen what the impact, I mean, that's just one example, but very direct, very close to home, something that I deal with every day. And I have seen how not really dealing with our stuff can not only destroy our minds, but I also have felt the impact of how it can really destroy our health in other ways too, you know? Um, So Mm -hmm. I, I, I learned to feel, deal, and heal in a lot of ways to protect my mental health and didn't know that there was a connection so much to my physical health until I started to feel the impacts of that as well. Mm -hmm. And it can create this perfect storm, right? You have like a little bit of trauma and a little bit of mold (laughs) and a little bit of toxic burden. And it's just like, I created this ticking time. I didn't create, but I was living in a ticking time bomb and I didn't know it. And now that I do know more about, I don't know everything and I never will, but I, I do know more about how of all of those things play roles and how well I'm able to uh, yeah, be resilient to the toxicity of the world that we live in, not just the products, but the trauma, the disgusting stuff that yeah. goes on, the, the pain and the things that I, I, you know, we're not going to avoid the side of heaven, um, but I can better equip myself um, to, to be able to withstand all that is to come and not feel so crippled by it. And in lots of ways, because, you know, I, so I went through like a really traumatic season in 2018 too. I'm going to tell a quick story. I don't know if this will help. Yeah, go for it. But so at the same, so my dad killed himself when I was 12 and, uh, Later that same year, my mom's dad was murdered in a parking lot just down the street from us. The suspect was not found for years. They finally got Mm. a DNA match years later, but it didn't go to trial because they needed to build their case. But it finally went to trial in 2018. So all these things happened in 1995. 2018, it finally comes to a head. And these are things, like I said, I've been doing therapy and counseling. I've, I, this is not, I don't shy away from my trauma, but it's still there. And, um, you know, there's probably more ways that I could process and deal with it too, but it's, it's part of my story. It's there. Anyway, in 2018, I went to trial and I was in that trial. I was in that courtroom all day, every day. I, it was so traumatic, like knowing all the details, staring this murderer in the face knowing he lived Mm -hmm. down the street from me we have mutual friends for all those years i've been scared to go in parking lots my whole life (laughs) you know stuff like that but anyway the trial ended he he was convicted and for anyone that's curious he was convicted he has a lifetime sentence because it was just a lot it's a crazy story it really needs to be on one of those shows the oh goodness um cold case but all the things involved to get there anyway Mm -hmm. Trial ends, 
verdict, sentencing, and my health implodes afterward. I had several years before that, I had a scare where I thought I had MS and I'd gone through all these testings and things and find out I didn't have MS, but then it made me think, well, what in the world could this be? And then the thing that came up was Lyme disease, but I didn't have the finances or capacity to do anything about it. And then, you know, we pass another year or two and then the trial happens and I was feeling a lot better. Then the trial happens, yeah. everything settles down and it's not till things calm down usually to, that your health implodes. So you got to try and make the connection. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is due to my trauma. It's the stress. It's the trauma that resurfaced. I had absolute PTSD. I was having panic attack. It was just a horrible season. And then my health went in the gutter, like brain fog and fatigue galore. Like I was having the hardest time functioning. I got two little kids here and I had just started this a little less toxic stuff. And I'm just trying to do it like such a outlet for me and such like an encouraging thing for me in the season too. And then it started to be a financial aspect for us too, that it was helping to support us financially. And it just was this beautiful thing that I had too. And I was, you know, I've always, I, I like how you're so transparent and open about things that you go through and like, you're even just talking about the mold, right? You're like, I'm not going to come on and act like my life's perfect. And I've always been that way too, to a fault where I sometimes get, it's happened once. Anyway, I said sometimes, but at least once I got a DM from somebody that meant to send it to someone else. And it was on like a video of me crying and she's like, she's so annoying. (laughs) Oh no, stop. (laughs) I can't come online and pretend life is great. I'm not going to do that when stuff's hard. So anyway, I lived all of that. And, but it was very eye-opening to me in a new way of seeing how stress and trauma can really impact our health because I hadn't changed. You know, I was still doing all the less toxic things even better than I had been doing in the past. And I was really trying to manage my stress well and sleep and all of these things. And, um, but all it took was that one area being completely thrown off balance that made everything else just go off balance too. And it took a long time to get it back into better balance. So I don't know if that answers your question. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, thank you for sharing. It's so funny because I had texted a friend in the panic yesterday um, and PJ is great. And our whole episode is about how to not choose fear in the mold conversation. And my friend was just like, Hey, like, I love you hear the truths that you need to hear, but, you know, be ready for your emotional hangover tomorrow. And she like coined that term. So that's what we use. And that's exactly what I woke up with this morning was. Yeah. Oh, just, I think it is. I think it's interesting how the Lord slowly gives us the ability to recognize the tie to the mind, body, and spirit, because in college, Um, I had actually walked through sexual assault my junior year and um, didn't realize Mm -hmm. that it was a previous issue until I was unpacking that with a counselor and some friends did it manifest. And I was like, wait a minute, like, oh, my brain actually turned these memories off. Thank, thank God that I have a space now to like process all of these other instances. And so it was just how the Lord revealed that to me then, you know, and, you know, the anxiety, the depression, the my parents were walking through divorce at the time. Um, I don't think I would have been in a place to look at my life and then look at my bathroom and yeah. be like, okay, now what? 
but I also think it may be this other level of coping um, for some people because it is this like striving for control. So my question in all of this is, yeah, what has it brought you back to in your faith journey to walk through some of these things and also wrestle and reconcile with the Lord that in this brokenness and choosing to be less toxic and finding health, mind, body, and soul that like you said, like we are going to be broken on the side of heaven. So how do you reconcile that with your faith with the Lord? Yeah. You know, I was just thinking when you were telling that story and how much it relates to what your husband just told you about the mold, right? Like maybe he let it be revealed to us at this time, like for such a time as this, now that we have better tools in our tool bag. And I know a lot of times people say like, God's never going to give you more than you can handle. And that's not true. He allows many things I cannot handle and he does not want me to handle it on my own. Right. He can handle it. I have my responsibility to put on my backpack that fits on my back and carry it well. Be courageous, Mm -hmm. take one step forward, keep myself strong so I can continue to carry it. But he never designed me to carry around this mountain that I try and put on my back. He will carry it. So I think the balance there is knowing who carries it, know who carries me, Mm -hmm. and just do my part to steward what he's put on my back and trust him to carry me through when I can't do it on my own. And which is never. Yes. Which is never. But that was so beautifully said. Like just finding the peace. Um, and that's what like I had shared on my social media was I'm not gonna be fake about it because I can't. The Lord won't let me. <laughs> but I have to choose peace in this situation where I have no control and ultimately we have, like you said, better tools in this instance. Um, of the financial means to be able to make steps based on recommendations of friends and family and um, practitioners. Um, But I think you just said that perfectly of like, ultimately it comes to the Lord's sovereignty and he is going to give us hard things and many things that we cannot handle and many things he did not wish for us. But it all comes back to knowing that we weren't supposed to carry it in the first place. And all of those things reflect his glory at the end of the day. Yes. Amen. So Shauna, this was such a beautiful conversation. I, I feel like um, I love you so much. This was definitely a long time coming and I'm so thankful for you and this growing friendship. I would be amiss if I didn't plug all the amazing things that you're doing. Your book is like um in our living room right now like portrayed (laughs) so if you could just share about your book where our community can connect with you all of those things yeah thank you um so yeah i just published a book it's called a healthier home it just came out in february of this year and it's a compilation of so many things i've learned along the way and have applied and things i have yet to apply but would like to and it's all the information I hope to have for myself to access at different times and that I hope to hand down to my children so that they can access it too, but also to everyone who has made a little less toxic what it is to be a place where they can find this information without having to scroll for you know minutes to hours on the internet looking through different yeah. people's blogs or yeah. even all of my posts to find the things. It's just a resource you can return to over and over again for years and years to come because you are not going to make your life 
completely non-toxic tomorrow. It is a journey. And as you take the next best step, I wanted it to be a, a safe landing place, a soft landing place for people to flip open a page and go, oh, hey, there's a better choice option. And let's see if I can fit that into our budget and needs and preferences. Yes. Buy that for everybody. <laughs> Friends, families, enemies, get them. They <laughs> would love the book. So I have one closing question for you that we wrap up for all of our guests. If you could provide any wisdom to your younger self or for a community that is listening, what would you share? You know what? Something popped in my head earlier today. And so I think it's this. But when I first started on this journey, and actually for way more years than I would like to admit, I was really wanting my husband to do more of the things at a faster rate <laughs> than yeah. he wanted to. And I would get pretty frustrated with him. There was a time, I've told this story before, but there was a time I found Dayquil in his car and you would have thought the man was cheating on me. <laughs> yep. I was so, I cried. <laughs> like so embarrassed. <laughs> but I feel like it's a good story because I know a lot of people that do this wellness journey, it can be frustrating because mm-hmm. I love him so much and I want him to feel well and I want him to live a long time <laughs> Yeah, outlive me, you know? And yes. so things that I know about things, I, I just want him to be as passionate or more passionate. I want him to drive the ship. You know, I still mm-hmm. do, but I'm not going to force him to. And me pushing him is not going to make him get there any faster. If we know men, you have men in your life. They don't like us to tell him what to do. And he's not yeah. going to do it when I'm telling him. I need to let him go at his own rate find his own way and uh, trust, trust him because I, I trust him in all the other things. And I know that he's going to lead our home and our marriage and our lives. Well, and I need to trust him in this too. So that is something I could wish I could go back to, you know, younger, less toxic Shauna and be like, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's so funny. We have that con conversation on a regular basis but again my husband's like Raina like I literally work in radioactive areas so I the monster you just found in the door of my car it's all right (laughs) it's all right plus he does so much he's doing he does a great job he really cares and he's done a lot of the changes and Mm -hmm. you know he's happy with them Mm -hmm. because I find things that work I just need to leave him be I know and then he along more quickly surprising enough right when you just let them go at their own pace yeah well shauna this has been such a beautiful conversation and i am so thankful for all of your wisdom your page your book you are just honestly a beautiful source of wisdom so thank you for joining me today thank you i am so blessed and honored thank you i love you of course love you too and we will catch you guys on the next episode This episode of If Only I Were Wiser has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss any encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to build our community and share more about topics that will be healing and helpful for you. See you in the next episode.